the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson. Here you will hear teaching that will challenge you to a deeper walk with Jesus. Whatever place you are in your understanding of God's plan for your life, you will grow closer by listening. No shame, no guilt, and no condemnation. But you will be challenged to a closer walk with God. Now here's Pastor Israel with today's teaching. The message this morning is taken from Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 15. I'm pretty sure if you've been following us, we've been focusing on the perfection of God, His perfect love that produces in us perfect faith, anchored in perfect righteousness, that produces perfect blessings and perfect worship. Now, the perfection belongs to God. Jesus says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. He's not talking about sinless perfection on our behalf. But whatever disciplines we practice in the name of Jesus must give glory to God. Therefore, they have to be perfect. We've been focusing on prayer these last several Sundays. And let me just interject. I heard that uh, Jarrell preached last Sunday and he ended at 1130. Uh, You're not so blessed today. Okay, so uh, sit tight. These are important messages. You know, I've been a Christian since I was 16 years old. And until I was told by my pastor, my mentor, and sat me down and told me, If you're going to preach this word, you need to study it right. You need to read it right. You need to study it right so you can present it correctly. Because you're going to answer to God as to what you tell these people. And so I'd like to think this morning that it's not a waste of time for us to come. And really hone in what scripture says. Well, Pastor, how do I know that you're telling me the truth? That's the challenge for you. You need to go home and be like the Bereans who after they heard the preaching went ahead and checked it. So we got to check everything we hear. There's so many things floating around that we, we forget that God's word is perfect. We're not. He is. His word is perfect. He gives us perfect strength. He gives us perfect wisdom. He gives us the perfect tools that we need so that we can in fact look at his word and be taught by the Holy Spirit. So this morning, we're continuing, continuing our series on a perfect perfection, perfect worship that includes prayer. And our text is taken from Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 15, the NIV as usual. Jesus said, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret 
will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This is then how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So this morning we're going to focus on Jesus' teaching, not on how to pray, because if you're a follower of Jesus, it's assumed that you are praying. Amen? If you're a Christian, you're praying. That's, that's, that's settled. Neither is this a, a message on the power of prayer. We already know that there's power in praying. Instead, what we're going to talk about and what Jesus was talking about in these passages is how to establish that power in our praying. There's a big difference between saying, I believe in the power of prayer and understanding how we establish that power in our lives. It's the same thing with faith. Grace is established because of our faith. The Bible says we are saved by grace through faith, not by works, lest any one of us boast. The same thing is true with prayer. The power in praying must be established, and that's what Jesus is going to talk about. And I hope that this message will be simple and practical so we can be confident that, that prayer need not be complicated to be powerful. Let me give you a little context of this passage. Matthew chapter 5 to 7 is famously known as the record of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Now, the Sermon on the Mount is about Jesus preaching about the righteous characteristics of God's people as they live out as kingdom people here on earth. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. How God's people live righteously right here on earth as citizens of the kingdom of God. Now in chapter 6, Jesus illustrated the power behind the three spiritual disciplines that are readily visible in people's lives that the world sees. And when these people, when, the, when, when we practice these three disciplines outlined by Jesus in, in chapter 6 of the Sermon on the Mount, that would then testify to the world that we are really people of the kingdom of God. Three things, right? Giving, praying, and fasting. Just a little bit of a context in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5 to 7, chapter 6 focuses on these three disciplines. Let me say them again. Giving, praying, fasting. In essence, Jesus was saying, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast, you have to do this perfectly. You have no excuse. This has to be done perfectly. And, and we'll explain why Jesus was adamant about doing that. But the point that Jesus was teaching and the point that he was making is that without righteousness, these disciplines are worthless acts of worship. 
In other words, when you say, well, I worship God by, by being a, a giver. I'm a giving person. That's the way of worshiping God. But uh, Jesus is saying, if you don't have that perfect righteousness, that imputed righteousness, your giving is not worth the worship that you're offering. Same thing is true with praying. The same thing is true with fasting. But our focus this morning is on prayer. What gives power? What establishes the power in our praying? How do we know that we are praying the right way? Again, it's assumed that you're already praying because you are a Christian. If you're not praying, then there, there's, a, there's a bigger problem, right? Got to be a Christian to be able to pray. And I said this before and I say it again. God hears everybody's prayers. But, but, but the efficacy, the power in our praying only becomes real. When we have faith in Jesus. So a pagan can blabber. A religious zealot can say so many things and say, I'm praying to God. But they will never be heard unless that righteousness, that perfect righteousness has been established in our hearts. So this is the focus this morning is not to teach us how to pray. It's not to to convince ourselves that praying, praying is powerful. But rather to establish that power, the source of it. You know, I work for um, an electric vehicle company, okay? We're building electric cars, as the, the trend is nowadays. Did you know that when I, when I uh, applied and I worked there, after a year, they, they told me that I need to learn how to drive. I said, I already know how to drive. No, but you have to learn how to drive an electric vehicle, lest you run out of gas and not know it. And go to the gas station and look for the gas tank. You got to relearn some things. Doesn't mean we can drive. Means we can drive anything. Have you driven a forklift? I've tried. Don't let me do it again. Same thing is true with praying. Doesn't mean you don't pray or you don't know how to pray. But you and I have to learn how to establish that power. In our praying. Uh, in our text, Jesus was addressing three groups of people. And he's contrasting these three groups. Okay, he's contrasting the religious zealots, you know, the religious uh, hypocrites, the pagans, and the people of God. And he's demonstrating to them the difference between pagans and religious hypocrites and God's people. And he gave us five principles to establish the power in our praying. Five of them. And I know some of you are getting nervous. Pastor, you have to leave at 12 o'clock because you have to go to the cemetery. Make it three points. Not three points today. It's five points. Okay? These principles are not formulas. They are not patterns for praying. They are teachings in praying. They are admonitions. They are didactic. They are internal realities that we must learn so we can practice them externally. First principle has to do with honesty and integrity. We must begin to learn to deny or begin to deny 
anything false about ourselves. The denial of falsehood is the first principle that establishes the power in our praying. Look at verse 5 once again. He says, and when you pray, this is Jesus speaking, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Now, Jesus used two important words here, okay? Hypocrites and rewards. Of course, we know the word hypocrite. The word hypocrite, as we know it, is used to describe a person who is acting out a role. That's what the word hypocrite is. You know, they just, they just hand out the, uh, the Oscar award on Sunday. I don't watch those things anymore. You know, you don't know who's acting and who's not. They give, they apparently give awards to those who have performed wonderfully and, and you know, powerfully in, in a movie. And that's the word that Jesus was using. He's saying these hypocrites are praying publicly to be seen by people. But what they're really doing is they're just acting like they're praying. They're just, they're just there to be admired and to be, to be um, adored and, and, and to be uh, validated by their community, by their friends, by their family, by the people watching them. And Jesus called them hypocrites, not because it's wrong to pray in public. Jesus prayed in public, but they lacked that righteousness that Jesus was offering them. There was no credibility to their uh, acts of worship. They're looking to be applauded by people. They're looking to be elevated to a certain place of respectability, but they lack true righteousness inwardly. Their righteousness is just outward. They're acting. That's why they're called by Jesus as hypocrites. Now, one of the greatest actors that Hollywood had produced in the last century was the British actor Rex Harrison. I don't know if you know him, but he's, a, he's one of the greatest actors. You know, you, you know he's, he's had these iconic roles in movies. He was just a tremendous actor. There could be no doubt about that. He played uh, Henry Higgins in My Fair Lady. He played uh, Dr. Doolittle. He played the King of Siam in the movie version of The King and I. Iconic roles. And there's no question as to his greatness as an actor because he's been publicly adored not only by his peers, by the fans, but also movie writers and directors and producers. He was that great. He's probably the greatest actor of his generation. And for that, there could be no doubt. But it's been written about him that in person, he has the most dark reputation of being one of the most difficult, unpleasant, rude, and despicable human beings you will ever meet. He was married four times and had affairs while married to these women. Two of his ex-wives committed suicide. He was violent to servants and to restaurant servers. He was rude to fellow actors and anyone at all who does not conform to his liking. That by the time he died in 1990, the funeral directors conducting his memorial service was having a hard time trying to get people in the service. That they had to actually put out an ad that says, Rex Harrison's memorial service is for tonight. Come. 
there's plenty of room for his friends. That's an amazing indictment. Now, I don't know. This, this stuff has been well publicized. There's no secret. I don't know how, to the, you know, how, how true these accounts were. But the point of the matter is, a person can have a different reputation publicly, but privately be absolutely corrupt. And that's what Jesus was warning his audience about. You could never have guessed that these religious people were truly doing what they're supposed to do in clear conscience. Rather, he's saying that they're really just playing a role. Jesus was teaching us that the power of prayer cannot be achieved without a sense of honesty and integrity before God. Now, I woke up this morning to tell us this one sentence. It is not faith that drives prayer. It is our integrity. It is not our faith that establishes the power in our praying. It's our integrity. James says, faith without works of righteousness is dead. According to James, a double-minded man cannot expect anything from God. What is a double-minded man? A double-minded man is not just a man who, who uh, cannot make up his mind on whether to follow God or not. A double-minded man is someone who is righteous publicly, but privately living a corrupted spiritual life. So what Jesus was saying is this. You can't fake this thing. You can't fake the power of praying. When people see you pray, they're going to know whether there is, you know, a sting to that prayer. Prayer is powered by how God sees our life in private. Not by how people perceive us or how we approach God. It begins by being true and honest about who we are. Now, Jesus was not preventing people from praying outwardly. He did that so many times. Jesus prayed publicly so many times. But what Jesus was saying is if you pray, you better make sure that you have a clear conscience before God because that's where the power is. In the honesty and integrity of our conscience tell you a funny story a long time ago. I visit people when they're sick and I visited this one person. I was called and said, Pastor, can you come and pray for, uh, for my brother you know, struggling in the hospital? So I went to the hospital. By the time I got there, there was this pastor in there already. <laughs> so I had to say, okay, well, you know, I, I, two of us, you know, we can't, we can't be doing this. Only one person should minister to the people at the same time. So I was listening to this pastor. He was, he was saying all of these, these good things about the, the Bible and about Jesus and, you know, doing a good word to the people, encouraging them, saying, thing, saying all kinds of biblical things. And I was beginning to say, okay, well, you know, this is, this is great. But by the time he was ready to pray for that sick person, it shocked me that he called his three-year-old son. Son, come on. I want you to pray for this man who's sick. Three years old. So, she, so the kid prayed and all of that stuff. So after the service, I said, hey, pastor, 
Why did you ask the kid to pray? He says, he has less sins than me. He has a clearer conscience. You know, little kids, they haven't sinned as much as I have sinned. He's being honest, but he's describing a principle. The power in praying is in the clarity of our conscience. The integrity and honesty of our lives, not before people, but before God. This is what Paul wrote to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 to 3. He said these words. We have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. This is where the power in praying really lies. In the integrity of our conscience. What is that word integrity? It's a big word. Integrity to me, you know, you can have any kind of meaning you want to put to it. But to me, if every time I hear the word integrity, to me it's simply an integration of our private and public life. Integrate. What I am on the outside, what you are on the outside, must be the same person as in the inside. It's integrated. You don't have a separate type of, you're not a different type of person when you're at home and when you're in public. You know? That, that's, that's integrity. It was Samuel Clemens. I think we know him as Mark Twain, America's greatest humorist. He said these words. He said, it is better to have honor and not receive it than to receive honor and not have it. I think that's pretty good. I think that's what we need to live by those principles. Because the power in praying is established in the honesty and integrity of our conscience. Now, there's a second principle of establishing the power in our praying, and that is we need to learn to pray in a discreet fashion. Discreet fashion. Not just denying falsehood, but we need to pray in a discreet fashion. Look at verse 6, first part of verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Prayer, first and foremost, is a private, personal, spiritual discipline. Again, the point Jesus was making is that public praying does not have power unless time and effort has been given to privately speaking to God. Honesty and integrity are what drives our faith in Christ. Faith then is the ability to have trust in the substance of the things we hope for and to believe in the evidence of the things we do not yet see. That's when faith becomes essential to our prayer. Now, the secret, the, the secret power that Jesus had was that he spent so much time Practicing the discipline of solitude. If you read the Gospels, the secret in the power of Jesus' prayer life was because he spent so much time privately praying to God. That, that's why when you read the Bible, Jesus hardly prayed publicly. They didn't say he didn't pray publicly, but he hardly prayed. And people came to him. 
The lame came to him. The sick came to him. Even the dead, <laughs> the relatives of dead people came to him. Even nature came to him. Do we see Jesus saying to the lame or the blind or to the sick, come on here, let me, let me pray for you. I don't see that very often in the, in the ministry of Jesus. You know what he did? By the time these people, by the time the lame, the blind, the sick, the disheartened, the discouraged, even the dead, by the time they came to Jesus, Jesus only had to speak the word, arise, be healed. He rebuked sickness, he rebuked Satan, he rebuked the demons, he rebuked every kind of thing that goes against the knowledge of God. And he didn't have to call a prayer meeting for it. What's the secret? By the time he was ready to minister to people, he already prayed to God. He already spent time praying to God. He invested a lot of time praying to God. Praying secretly. We need to learn these things for ourselves. I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself as well. There's a third principle of establishing power in praying. And this is related to the second principle. And that is, it has to be based on divine fellowship with God. But when you pray, Jesus says in the first part of verse 6, go to your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is not seen. And then, he continued and said, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You've been listening to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. If you have been helped by this radio program and would like to keep it on the air, your continued prayerful and financial support is greatly appreciated. Please visit livingontherockradio.com where all your tax-deductible gifts will go directly to the radio ministry. That's livingontherockradio.com. Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for. A church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, you will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale, with Sunday worship starting at 1030 a.m. More information at livingontherockradio.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.